Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here and once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up, agency owners? I am really excited to be talking to Keith Roberts today. Keith is one of my favorite people in our industry. Uh, Keith owns Zenman, which is a Denver-based web and digital marketing company. And he started this company uh, back in 1998. Now, he is a graduate of the Brooks Institute of Photography. And, uh, you know, Keith has worked with some of the, the, the top artists and agencies before starting his own company. So he basically was was trying to make it as a photographer and then kind of went into uh, you know some early digital marketing business and he's he's been he's he's an amazing designer which I think a lot of you uh, might connect with where you got into this because you have you know you're really good at your craft and you started an agency you started building uh, doing client work and professional services work because you're really good at what you do and what I'm but amazed that is actually Keith has been able to grow this really incredible business on top of that not just on uh, his skill set but on the skill set of a ton of other talented people he's got an an amazing culture. Every time he speaks at our events, uh, our audience just uh, absolutely loves hearing from him. And I am really excited to welcome uh, Keith Roberts to our program. Thanks very much for uh, having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So Keith, why don't you just take a, a few minutes to tell us a little bit about uh, who you are you know, personally, and, and then also give us an overview uh, of your business. Um. Okay, great. So personally, and, and it's funny, my business is actually based on a nickname of mine. Um, I, I went to school. My background is actually in undersea photography. So I have a degree in, in fine art, commercial, industrial, scientific, and fine art photography, undersea photography from Brooks Institute, which obviously applies to the real world uh, in a very useful way. Um, but when I went to Brooks, uh, I actually met a man, his name was Lapsan, who worked directly with the Dalai Lama, and he introduced me to Buddhism, which is where the nickname Zen Man came from. And in 1998, uh, after assisting for a couple of years and then uh, about 12 months as a starving fine art photographer, I just started to get into graphic design, which eventually evolved into uh, digital design. And when I started the company, it was literally just me working in my living room uh, under my stairs. And the name of the company was Zen Man because I was a, a Buddhist person and a single person. I applied the same ethics, principle, and karma to my business that I applied to my personal life. Um, 18 years ago, you know, I started by literally finding businesses that I could do web work for free to build a portfolio and, and learn the craft. Uh, and we've grown over the the last almost two decades to now we uh, we serve clients like Frontier Airlines is uh, we're agency of record for so we're in our uh, second year of working with them on iterations on their website and other you know enterprise billion dollar clients and then all the way down to um, you know the, the clients that we built ourselves up and love like the Banano Concepts restaurant groups uh, you know here in Colorado there's a lot of technology startups so we're fortunate that there's this constant pool of, of new businesses that are being created that we can tap into and uh, the business has evolved uh, when I first started it 20 years ago we literally just did websites uh, and I found very quickly that 
the the life cycle of a client, you know, we could go four or five years before we would do another project with them if we did a great job on their website. Uh, it would need to become out of date. There would have to be changes in uh, you know industry standards before they would need our services again. So we became a full service uh, creative agency, adding digital strategy, um, you know, traditional branding and graphic design. So you started just the one man bands. Give us kind of a paint us a picture. Like, what does it look like to walk into Zen Man right now? Like, how many people? What kind of office do you guys have? Like, what's the vibe? Uh, could not be more proud of the culture here now. So we're we're just under a twenty person shop. Uh, we're right around a two million dollar agency. Um, we have a full time content director who does nothing but write content for ourselves and our clients. Uh, I'm fortunate enough to have uh, a CEO who sits in the integrator seat. We also practice uh, traction, which I know everybody's, a lot of people are familiar with. Um, we have a design and development uh, leadership team as well as you know, full teams underneath them, uh, project management and sales. I think you just like described the agency that a lot of people would like to have. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You know, like I think a lot of folks that are like just starting out, like, you know, 20 people, 2 million in revenue, enterprise clients, like really cool office culture, like that, that you just, and, and I'm sure you just like built that in like a week, right? Uh, still building it, still paying for things, still doing, uh, you know, it, it's, we've talked about this before, I mean, especially around strategy, you know, I'm 18 years in and, and we recast, uh, every year and it's only been the last three years that we've really developed some business savvy and, and learned how to truly run a business and be an entrepreneur. Uh, the first 15 years, it was just grit and, you know, being too, uh, stubborn to fail, but yeah, these last three years, it's, it's amazing. I wish I could have, uh, just talked to myself 20 years ago and instilled some of this knowledge. And one of the things I'm really happy to do with your audience is, is share that knowledge, right? So everything from, you know, our contracts, our terms, our work for hire agreements, uh, that's one of the things that I am more than happy to share with somebody that's starting, you know, we've lost enough money in legal battles and we've spent enough monies in attorneys fees to generate, good documentation and contracts that, um, you know, all ships rise with the tide. And I'm, I'm happy to share that with everybody. I want to go back kind of like your, your, your early, early, like, uh, when, when you decided to start the business. Cause I, I think you mentioned you, you did like, I can't remember what you went to school for. So it was like this huge, like long yeah. type of art or type of photography. Uh, but you know, like why did you decide after getting that degree and, and maybe like working in the space for a little bit that you were like, I want to do like my own thing. I mean, I think a lot of people are sitting maybe in that moment and they're thinking about creating a business or they're thinking about going out on their own. Um, you know, what was that like for you? What was kind of the, uh, uh, the, the, the nudge that pushed you over the line to actually start to like file papers and like, you know, set up your business and accept your first payment. It was actually something I'd always wanted to do. I remember, um, in seventh grade learning the term entrepreneur in I don't even remember what class it was in junior high. Um, and the, the, I think it was economics and the instructor, you know, telling me, uh, you know, most of these people fail. You look at, you know, very successful business people. There's multiple bankruptcies. There's, you know, these horrible problems, many divorces, all of this stress. Uh, and for some reason I was like, huh, that resonates with me. I really think I want to do that. <laughs> um, 
It sounds like so much pain and anguish. Yeah. Bring it on. Yeah. I'd, li- I'd love to have that in my life. <laughs> yeah. There's got to be something I can learn from this. Uh, and then, you know, uh, a funny thing happened a couple years later in high school. Uh, I took a photography class and it was literally for me watching. Uh, it wasn't taking the picture. It was watching it develop, you know, on the paper and sort of magically appear that I was just captivated by photography. So it was all I wanted to do, devoted my life to it. I went to the, one of the best schools in the world in Santa Barbara, uh, kind of very um, irrelevant degree to the real world. And right when I was graduating, uh, my world was dying. Um, you know, in, in 1995, uh, when I was getting my degree, you know, stock houses were just starting to become a reality. So instead of hiring a photographer and two models and getting a location to get a, you know, two guys taking, shaking hands in a conference room, you could just buy that. Uh, and this was, you know, well before the days where you could choose from tens of thousands for pennies. Uh, but it was still driving many established photographers out of business. Um, so what I did, I, I, I chose to work for, because I did, I was fortunate enough to go to Brooks and I had a degree that got foot my foot in doors. Uh, I worked for some of the top photographers to see how a creative services business could be run. And then I spent a year trying to make it, um, and, and just failed. Uh, the last week I had unemployment when I was trying to make it as a photographer, um, I came to reality that like, okay, Literally, that there's not another check coming. I've got to do something. Um, I, I think I've mentioned this before in other interviews with you, but I, um, I lied on my resume. I said I knew graphic design. I figured there was some things from having a degree in photography that could translate over into graphic design. Uh, I got the job. I spent the weekend on Friday. I spent the weekend uh, learning some software, uh, some books, you know, X for dumb, Harvard Graphics for Dummies that I bought at Barnes and Noble, and Monday started the job. Um, I quickly learned, uh, that if you knew flash and Dreamweaver and you were doing freelance work, you could make $75 an hour instead of 25 or $30 an hour. So it was just, uh, you know, the economy of it looking at, uh, when I started doing web design, the only thing that made money on the web was adult content. You know, Amazon was losing hundreds of millions of dollars a quarter, uh, and we're, you know, just a bookstore. So there, there wasn't this, huge opportunity for capitalism that, that everybody believed in that we have now, right? That you have to have a website. It has to, um, convert. You have to understand the data. It's got to be driven by quantitative information, not just look pretty. Um, you know, it's gotta be ROI and what we're doing online. So it's a, it a real interesting time, um, to get into that world. So if I kind of track that you, uh, you know, we're, chasing the photography business that pretty much uh, was in the process of, of not happening. You ended up either getting a job or contracting and, and kind of pivoted over into graphic yeah. design and flash. So I, I got it. Yeah, sorry. I got off on a tangent there, but I, I did get a job for Equifax actually. And they're who moved me from Southern California to Denver. Uh, Equifax acquired a company that I worked for. And like most large corporations, when they consolidate, um, they didn't bother looking at redundancy before they moved my department out to Denver. So I was here less than six months and uh, ended up getting laid off. I took a voluntary layoff and I had a decent runway. Again, I'd always wanted to do my own thing. So I took that as the opportunity that if I don't use this severance and it ended up being about six months um, as my sort of free roll to, to give it a shot. I would never have the opportunity. So that's when in, in 98, I took the leap of faith and said, okay, I'm not even going to update my resume. I'm going to go build Zen Man. Who was, uh, who was your first your first client at that point? I don't know if you remember it. I, I remember my oh. first client, but I was curious. Oh, no, remember. absolutely. Yeah. Um, so 
the first web client that we did was uh, three sites for a company called Urban Ventures. And it's funny, we still work with them to this day. And we're good friends and I bought multiple units from them. Uh, I, I had an apartment that I was under contract to buy. And again, this was you know uh, late 90s, so not everybody had a website. And this development that they were actively marketing had no site. Um, I got caught by the developer sneaking into my unit, uh, and struck up a conversation, told her what I was doing and, uh, she became my first client. And again, we, we work together this day. And, and one of the things that's, <laughs> that we've been blessed in Zen man is it's, it's rolled into something else. So we worked with Susan powers at urban ventures and we did fire clay lofts and Highland bridge lofts. And, you know, she's got another half a dozen developments we've done over the last 15 years. But then because of our, you know, Zen man Buddhist philosophy and our, our core values, we've been a good friend for her. We've gone out of her way. You know, I, I spoke, she's a big advocate of, uh, of the affordable housing act here in Colorado. And when that was just on the ballot, uh, or up for a vote, uh, city council three months ago, I spent the evening sitting with Sue and I spoke as an advocate for what she was passionate about. So, you know, really genuinely valuing those connections that you make. I mean, not everybody is going to be a great friend for, for a couple of decades and some people are just going to suck, but the better job you do and the, the more good you put out in the world, you know, again, in karma, it's going to come back to you. So those turned into, she introduced us to this company and this developer and look at what uh, Zen man was able to do for, for this project. And it does snowball. It just takes a long time to start getting that momentum. So you start this business, you you literally get like a a such a random like opportunity, you know. I mean, I find that so interesting with especially with professional service businesses, right? Like it almost seems like anywhere you go, if somebody has a business or a nonprofit or organization, like like everybody has like some problem with their website or with their, you know, brand or their apps or whatever that like if if you meet them and just like get them talking about it, they probably have things that you can help them with. Absolutely. Um, and, and so you kind of like you happen upon this this one client that leads to a lot of other stuff. Um, but was it was it like then that you realized, OK, you have like a business and now you need to like uh, like get out there more or were you just kind of like working on these these clients that kind of fell into your lap? It was very cyclical. So the, the problem with being a one man shop uh, that client, you know, falls into my lap. We get the first couple projects. I remember getting the first check for $5,000 and thinking, I'll never have to worry about money again, which was such an <laughs> asinine, uh, you know, just ridiculous thing to think. And maybe I, compared to unemployment checks, it yeah. might've looked like it was like, you know, this is the check to end all checks. Yep. And the first time you get a, a check that has five zeros at the end, you think the same thing. And that also goes away just as quickly because economies of scale to fulfill that project, you've got higher expenses. So yeah, absolutely. Um, no, the, the challenge was I would have to sell the project, then I would design the project, then I would actually code, test, build, write the content, do the photography. I mean, truly a one-man shop for everything. And while I was heads down delivering projects, the sales part of my business would suffer. So when Zen Man truly was a one-man shop, it was feast or famine. And when I would wrap up projects, I literally had nothing to do. Um, so the the one good thing about that is I got very good at, at interviewing the proposal stage. You know, I mean, you're, you're literally only eating what you kill. So you have to become good at, at pitching your work and, and getting projects. Who was your, your first hire? 
Newman. <laughs> I won't say his first name, but his last name is ironically Newman. And I, uh, your first hires are most important. And it was one of my biggest fails. Um, you know, I, I fired him six months after my first hire. Um, the, the mistake that I made is I went for cheap versus quality. Um, I would highly recommend waiting until you can afford somebody that's actually going to deliver quality work because you're going to end up spending time training, redoing, wasting. Uh, in Newman's case, uh, we had a huge project. It was our first enterprise project. It was a, a job for level three. We were doing a motion graphics piece for their voiceover IP new product to give you an idea of how long ago that was. Um, and he was expected to do the creative on this project. Um, I went out of town on a Friday and we were presenting, I think on Tuesday and, uh, I showed back up at the office and there was literally just two of us at the, the shop at the time. And we had just back in the day, we actually presented boards that we printed out. So you had to print things, let them dry and mount them. It was a huge pain in the butt. Uh, and I showed back up at the office and he was printing a bunch of DJ labels for these CDs kind of pissed me off. Uh, I left, go away for the weekend, <laughs> uh, come back and he, it looked like he'd spent an hour maybe working on this project. And this was one of the most important, no, it wasn't, it was the most important job we'd ever done at the time. Um, it was my birthday. I, I worked the entire night. I canceled my dinner plans. I pulled an all nighter, um, and redid the entire project. And I went to print it at five in the morning and my effing printer had no ink because he'd used it all on DJ labels. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Newman was terminated the next day. And then the, the really funny thing is now I'm, I'm, I'm happy to share literally all of our legal documentation, our proposals, you know, there's no secret sauce. My stuff looks pretty damn similar to Spires and cultivators and, you know, we're all selling the same thing. Um, and we're all good at it. Right. And we all have our, our culture and our flavor. But when I fired Newman, I, I was so afraid he would steal our statement of work that I made up a fake email address. I pretended to be a dry cleaner that needed a website and I emailed him and uh, ended up calling him out because he used my proposal and, you know, copy replaced it and sent it back. And 18 years later, I'm, I literally, you know, put it up on open source. So it's, it's funny how things change. <laughs> maybe focused on some of the, the wrong things or maybe some like, <laughs> I'm going to get you. So is there like a, is there like a, a part of the employee agreement now at Zenman? It's like, you will not print DJ labels during off hours. <laughs> when we moved offices, we pulled an office space with our printer. We're a digital agency. We've had so many nightmares because we print so infrequently, everything dries up and it's just, you know, the one time you print something every two months, it's a huge pain in the ass. So we uh, we took a baseball bat to our to Gretchen was what we called our printer. Hmm. Do you feel like so? So obviously, first hire a little bit of a of a horror story. Did you get it right after that, or did it take you? So I mean, obviously now you have a team of uh, I think you said just about twenty folks, and so hiring obviously is a is a big part of probably how you're successful now. Hiring great people is one of the things that you said, like hire better quality people versus cheap. Um, was your next hire maybe more successful than Newman, the DJ label guy? Actually the opposite. Um, the next hire was my brother and I brought him on, um, actually because I felt responsible for him and he needed a job, which was the absolute worst thing to do. He was with me for 15 years. I had to fire him two years ago and he hasn't spoken to me since. So (laughs) it's probably about a decade and a half before I get into good hires and it actually wasn't um, my process or learning how to hire good people. I finally hired a good person through my, you know, one out of twenty process, 
and uh, now she runs the company and she does all of the hiring. So um, unfortunately, it's not something that I ever learned how to do well. Um, huge detriment. It's something that if I didn't have Caitlin in that seat now, I would spend the time to learn, you know, top grading and other techniques to actually make sure you vet your hires because your first, the most important, second, second most important, you're going to pay these people a lot of money. Uh, in some cases, you're actually going to start paying them more than you're paying yourself. So you you definitely want to make sure and invest in quality and, and vet them 100%. Quick to hire, I'm sorry, quick to fire, slow to hire. Um. <laughs> I just, I feel like like those first two hours, you're like they're the most important, you know. Like spend, get get a quality person. Don't hire your brother. I mean, obviously, you yeah, know, there's do the opposite of me. <laughs> <laughs> um, sounds like that's definitely been, uh, you know, you've learned learned a lot of lessons uh, over that that decade of maybe maybe not doing it, uh, not doing it right. Do you feel like there was a moment where, um, you know, you were getting like. Like you got like your first like big legit job, and obviously like a five thousand dollar check for like a first project is like just definitely like you know accolades there. But was there that ever moment where you like you've left over the last you know eighteen years of running your business that you've left like a meeting with a client and you were like, wow, we just got like like we just like won this deal. Like I feel like I'm I've I've got my like my big boy pants on now. Like oh, we're we're a legit business type of thing. Because I I feel like like for me I struggled with that for years. Like I I you know I, I worked out of my house. Uh, I was scraping by to get just like whatever business, like nobody knew who my clients were. Like, you know, if if somebody asked me about my business, it was like, you know, I wasn't like, I mean, I was excited about it, but like, it wasn't like we were working with like marquee brands, you know, was there ever that moment where it shifted for Zen Man, where you went from kind of just working with people you ran into to like, this is like, this is like the real deal. We've kind of made it. Yeah. And, um, hopefully everybody's learning through my experience and it's not going to take them as long. But it was probably 15 years in. Um, you know, we you, you have to scratch and claw your way up. And, and it's funny working with those D and C and F clients. They're actually more work than the the marquee clients. But when when we got the Lumineers and when we got Frontier, those were the first times where we hit grand slams when we were given the opportunity. We've had a few opportunities over the last 18 years where we got up to bat in the big leagues and, and we, we didn't, we didn't get on base. So that's a big risk, right? When you're, when you're jumping up to the next league, if you can't deliver, that could absolutely torpedo and sink you. And, and we've seen that, you know, with shops uh, here in Colorado, but when, uh, you know, when we got frontier, that was really where it felt like, okay, we've got the big boy pants on. We, we literally have a billion dollar airline. It's a client. And, and that was a struggle to win that client that took us over a year and we were just committed to, um, you know, they're on our dream client list. Whatever we could do to nurture this, we are going to follow up when we say we're going to, you know, when they tell us this has been back for, for 90 days, we're going to have these checkpoints in place so that when this project's ready, we are going to be the right choice. Uh, we were by far not the most expensive shop, which absolutely contributed. Frontier's an ultra low cost carrier, so they didn't have, you know, virgin money to hire a mule to redo their website. Um, but they hired us who were smart enough to go look at what mule had done for Virgin and try to make that better. That's really cool. Congrats on that. That's, that's yeah. I hope, I mean, I hope it doesn't take 15 years for a lot of people to, to maybe win that, that big client. I mean, of course there's, 
there's probably like always like setting your goal to like the next dream client or the next level of customer. Um, you know, hopefully folks have been able to move from, you know, maybe if you're getting like the F clients, maybe, maybe those D's are, are looking, uh, pretty good. Uh, oh, you know, 18 years in business. Um, I feel like we could literally just walk through like each one of your hires for those first 10 years and probably get a lot of really interesting stories. But was there like one like kind of worst moment or, or biggest challenge over the last 18 years that kind of stands out for you? Yeah. And it's, uh, it's when we were a pretty small shop, we got, we got an opportunity that really could have been our frontier over a decade ago. And that's when we did a project for, for furniture row. We were hired to do the first Denver mattress website, huge win. Uh, I think the RFP went out to 60 something shops, you know, Xylem creation chamber, all of the big ones back in the day we were competing against and we won this project and I didn't have the development resources in-house. So I partnered with another company uh, to do the back end. And they were actually going to be doing 75, 80% of the work, getting 75, 80% of the compensation. And uh, what ended up happening is the day I paid this guy um, and executed our contracts with him, he shut down his business and he opened a new one to compete directly with me. And he actually went behind my back to the client and said, you know, these guys are in breach of uh, their contract with you. You know, we're not under contract. We haven't been paid. Uh, and we ended up spending over $100,000 in legal fees just to part ways. We were absolutely in the right. Um, the, the client was actually in the wrong because we had a non-solicitation in our contract with them with our subcontractors. Uh, but, you know, really not vetting your partners and understanding it. I mean, that that almost wiped me out. We had a multi-million dollar EONO clause in there, uh, errors and emissions. So if we didn't deliver the site on time, we were going to have to uh, pay them the revenue that they would have lost. And you know, it's not a small shop. Uh, so we were talking a lot of money. It would have absolutely put me out of business. I lost like 35 pounds. I spent a year in therapy. And I tell you, man, the, the lesson that I learned from this experience was you need to be accountable for your own success. You know, You can't hitch whether you win or lose to somebody else's wagon. And when you have responsibilities to a customer, um, they're, they're yours and yours solely. And you need to own that relationship. I was way too trusting. I brought this person into the fold and I let him get in. Um, and it just, you know, to me, uh, if you sent me a couple hundred thousand dollars in business in the first month of the year, I'll probably lease you a BMW to say thanks. Or I'm definitely going <laughs> to do something nice. I'm not going to shut down my business and open a new one to compete directly with you and stab you in the back. And that's just that Zen man, you know, karmic philosophy. But um, the good thing about the creative services business here is there, there's very few people like this. They don't exist. They don't stay around for very long. Um, but you definitely have to be cautious of who you do business with. And I'm just kind of curious, I mean, like, like, what did you miss in talking to that potential partner for this like strategic relationship? Like, what is that thing that, you know, maybe was like a, a tell that you didn't see and you decided to kind of move forward anyways? You know, it's funny. It's, it's a simple trust your gut. I took this guy to, um, probably too much information, but I play a lot of poker. <laughs> I used to play at underground poker room and I took him to, uh, this underground poker house and we were driving over there and a decent stakes game, you know, whatever you bring five, 600 bucks. And, uh, you know, this is a grown man. We're in our mid thirties and on the way he said, Oh, I, I don't know my, uh, my pen number for my ATM <laughs> card. Can you, you know, spot me 500 bucks or whatever. And you know, that honestly should have been enough of an alarm bell to say, okay, hold on a minute, man. You're, you kidding me? <laughs> um, 
Yeah. So just trust your gut. If somebody, as, as good as your contracts are, if you don't trust that you're going to do business with somebody and they're going to do right, contracts don't mean anything. I have multiple times spent over $100,000 when we were totally in the right and we had black and white contracts that protected us and it didn't matter. At what point did you decide like lawyers needed to get involved? I mean, that's, that's something I always like think about. It's like, you know, at what point, because you know that once like lawyers get involved with something like that, like it's it's kind of out of your hands, like in a way, like you know, like the only thing that you're going to be responsible for, for from that point forward is like like making sure that you can continue writing checks to your continue. lawyer. <laughs> yeah, continue paying your attorney's fees. Um, there's been two times. This one, it was very clear. We we had that one large project uh, that I mentioned, and at the same time, there was a second project. We won them both within the same week. They were both you know six figure deals that we were partnering together with. He did this to both clients. The second client was actually pretty ethical and said, hey, you know, this, this guy came and, and said this to us and we know this isn't true, but you should know this is going on. And that was it. Uh, we had enough information at that point that we we had to lawyer up based on the contract that we had and the ENO clauses. Um, the, the second time I've spent $100,000 on attorney's fees was to collect $7,000 on a website that somebody hadn't paid me for. So w- when we should have realized with this particular project, uh, you know, we launched somebody's site. Um, they told us checks in the mail. Great. Check doesn't arrive. We go to log into the website and all of the administrative rights, uh, you know, login, password, uh, hosting, we've been locked out of everything. He's now squatting and, and, and taking possession of the site. And um, that's the time where we should have, instead of lawyering up, looked at, okay, what's our actual exposure here and what can we reclaim in small claims court and what's the intelligent way to do this versus emotional way. I was having a really good year. We had our attorney's fees covered in our contract with this orthodontist, um, which we were not awarded at the end, right? So we literally spent $112,000 to collect seven. So I have $105,000 net loss um, plus a year uh, it just, you know, ridiculous. So if, again, if you don't trust that somebody's going to pay you, I actually wouldn't do the work to begin with. And a lesson that I hope that people can learn from my mistakes as promising and as, as appetizing as that money looks in the beginning, if you're thinking about what it's going to take to deliver this project or, you know, what your actual returns going to be, what your EBIT is going to be or your versus your net loss. I mean, we've done $400,000 software projects that have cost us $700,000 to deliver. So looked really good, you know, in the proposal stage. Uh, but for six months when we're building software on my dime and all of my developers are, you know, working on this project that we're not getting paid for, that's not a good project. And that's always a, that's a hard pill to swallow where you realize like, this I would have been better off in in the case of you know you getting paid four hundred thousand but it costing you seven hundred thousand to deliver like you would have been better off just to write the customer a hundred thousand dollar check like instead of actually working for them you know like you would have been two hundred thousand dollars better off yeah in that yeah. scenario that's always like a tough one to be like ah uh, but so yeah. so that's I mean that's definitely I think that, I mean I've I've taken a lot from that I mean what other have you ever had like a major aha or maybe like a turning point for you um, as an entrepreneur over the last you know almost two decades running this business like was there one thing that you did um, that maybe led to other really great things The biggest thing for me uh, was joining EO the entrepreneur organization 
that's been almost three and a half, almost four years ago now. And in all honesty, um, one, having a tribe of people that have the same, uh, you know, just like your, your group and, you know, this community that's working together towards a common goal and they can share their wins, losses, what's working, what's not working. Um, you know, that, that's been life changing for me and not just, uh, my business life, but also my personal and family life. Cause that, that organization is very focused on, on all sort of, uh, three aspects. And that led me to, um, EOS and traction. And that has taken it to a net level, next level. That's actually given us the operating system to run this business as well as a couple other businesses. So, you know, by far the, the best lesson I got from, joining EO was being introduced to traction and the entrepreneur operating system. How do you leverage your tribe, right? Like, let's say somebody, you know, I mean, obviously it's good to like try to find a tribe, which of course, if anybody's listening to this, like you're, you're kind of getting closer to your tribe. If you're listening to Keith talk and you're like, wow, this guy sounds like, you know, the type of person that I want to be around, right. Then you're, you're probably in a, in a really, really good place. But uh, what are some of the things that you do, in kind of the entrepreneurial tribes that you're running in, which sounds like EO entrepreneur organization, like what's something that you do with that tribe uh, to get more out of it or to really help you with your business? Cause I'm assuming anytime you go do something with EO, you're like taking away time from actually like executing in your business. Absolutely. And I've gotten so much out of it. I'm, I'm on the board. I'm also moderator for my four, a membership chair for the Colorado. So I, I do give a lot back, but even in that, uh, again, that sort of karmic Zen man approach I spend two to three hours a week taking prospective EO members to coffee and explaining to them what I've gotten out of EO, um, which is a huge, uh, I don't want to say waste of my time, but gift of my time to people that I don't know. The flip side of that is two to three times a week, I'm having coffee with an entrepreneur with a, a million dollar plus business that may or may not join an organization that's close to my heart. So if I look at each experience as, you know, what am I supposed to take out of this gift of getting the chance to meet this person? Um, the, the reward is, is exponential. Um, and yeah, that, that community, um, they're just there for everything. So from, uh, you know, forum is probably the, the biggest benefit that everybody in that organization, uh, you know, is a, a participant from. And that's a small group. Uh, you know, there's there's eight of us in my forum. We meet months a, once a month. It is the most confidential setting. We share only the best and worst parts of our life. There's nothing uh, we call it sort of the bean dip conversation. You know, there's nothing that you could just share at the water cooler that's talked about at forum. It's really, really, really heavy shit. Um, but. And the thing that I love about my forum is it's not, it's not me and you and, you know, Gellman and Gutman and all these people that are friends or, you know, in the same business and have the same problems. I've got a guy that's a, a roofer. I've got another guy that's sold multiple companies and he's in his early thirties. Um, a cybersecurity company, another company that does disaster recovery. So, you know, having a diverse group, almost like a Blinken's cabots of opinions that I can bounce ideas off of, uh, that I can present uh, what I'm going through and get their feedback in, um, we use a, a gestalt format. So people don't share advice, they share experiences. And in doing that, the whole group in the forum benefits versus just the person that's presenting. 
Awesome. So obviously two two really great plugs there for entrepreneur organization and also EOS, which is entrepreneur operating system. Uh, a separate thing, but a lot of <laughs> folks in EO like use EOS. But if you guys are interested, like the book Traction obviously is uh, is a great read. We 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 suggest that for every agency owner, right? Just at least take a look at it. It might help your business uh, for sure. Absolutely. So so like in Zenman today, <clears throat> like we've talked a lot about your history, like what you've you've built. Um, is there something that is exciting about that, that's exciting you or getting you excited about uh, Zenman right now? Uh, yeah, and it's actually ironically Bigfoot. Um, so we've started a sister company that's uh, just over a year old called Bigfoot Web, and because we have been around for almost two decades, we have the benefit of great organic SEO placement. Uh, and a reputation that sends a lot of referrals our way, of which 19 out of 20 people actually can't afford us. So we've spun up a sister agency that's basically a commoditized version of what we do, and we're able to funnel leads from Zenman to Bigfoot, and we're actually able to serve, uh, you know, maybe it's a new restaurant that's starting, or you know, she's even a lawn care service. Um, we can give them a very, very affordable but high-quality web presence to help them grow their business. And ideally, that's a, a farm league that hopefully will grow into a Zenman client. Interesting. So, like, you're actually, you know, uh, a lot of people are trying to race up market, and you already have are kind of serving up market really well, and you're actually kind of, like, trying to create a, 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 a spinoff that is going down market. Yeah, we, we'd actually outgrown a lot of our clients that we really loved. Um, we, there's only a few trade shows we go to. Uh, we do a lot of work in healthcare and a lot in the restaurant business. And a couple of years ago, at one of our shows that we would normally close over $100,000 in business, we closed nothing. And we had passed this tipping point where even the outliers in that industry couldn't afford us, right? They didn't see the value in spending $50,000 for a website. They could spend twenty. Um, so, and, and those were the outliers, everybody else is spending, you know, five, 12, five, maybe 15, uh, for what they saw the, the value of their site was. So after, you know, investing, you know, going to a show, having a booth, bringing the whole staff, it's like $30,000 and getting nothing. Um, it really brought into focus that we've outgrown 80% of our customers, uh, and how do we serve them instead of sending them to uh, another shop? Is there anything that you have kind of in the hopper that's coming down the road? Like what's, what's your vision for the future for, for Zen man? Uh, it's the same thing, but upstream. I want to start uh, a lab, my own lab. So a Zen man labs, there's a, you know, look at like Spire digital or some of these agencies that have tripled in growth and they've pivoted from uh, web development to software development that's not my area of expertise, but we're looking at uh, partnering with um, somebody else and bringing them in to run that uh, separate company. But I, I see huge opportunity in taking, you know, not just a simple website, but a complex application, software as a service, or um, you know, other application development. Awesome. That that sounds really cool. I mean, so it sounds like you're kind of uh, you got some things in the hopper to kind of capitalize on that down market opportunity and also uh some more experimental stuff which is which is really interesting yeah knock on wood um 
with both of those for me. <laughs> so next up, we've got our our lightning round, which I, I feel like you know you've got eighteen years of business uh, history. Uh, Keith, I, I feel like this, this podcast should be like four hours. Like we could like sp- separate it by like you know every like like five years or like you know uh, uh, go into way more detail. But I I hope that we'll be able to have you on uh, in the future uh, to to talk more about your story. I love I love your story. But we gotta we gotta switch now to our lightning round. Uh, got a couple of quick questions for you, uh, and then uh, and then we'll be good to go today. So are you are you ready for the lightning round? I'm ready. All right. What is the best advice you have ever received? Mm. Best advice I have ever received. Life is too short to learn everything through experience. I feel like we should like like make that like the the, the tagline for you gurus, right? We're helping you guys uh, not <laughs> yeah. uh, fall and skin your your knees uh, every day. Uh, what uh, which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? Um, <laughs> it's probably my stubbornness. I, I literally refuse to fail, which includes. Uh, you know, like that level three story, not being prepared for any client meeting. So if, if uh, 5.30 on a Friday, we're not ready, uh, I'll work 40 hours uh, straight to make sure that I am proud and confident in anything that we present out of this shop. Um, so it's a stubbornness and a, an inability to fail. Awesome. Can you share an internet resource, something like Evernote or another tool uh, or resource that you uh, that you use that you think our listeners would like? And you know, the, there's three that we use, and you probably are familiar with all of them. One, Basecamp is our project management tool. We we live and breathe. We keep everything in Basecamp. Even if a client sends us an email outside of Basecamp, we will start a thread to make sure that communication is tracked. It's a great tool to CYA, cover your ass. Um, (laughs) The other tool that we use is Harvest, right? So actually tracking tracking your time, understanding what you're actually making an hour. You know, if you're 125 an hour and you're doing a fixed bid, but you're going 300% over budget and you realize you're actually making $30 an hour, whereas my wife realized when I introduced her to to, – Harvest, she was making $4.80 an hour, um, which, in, you know, having that clarity helps make intelligent decisions. And then the last one that I know everybody already uses is Google Docs. You know, I don't uh, usually comment on, on the lightning round, but I just want to say those three tools are actually like really simple platforms. And it's it's inspiring to hear uh, at your stage of an agency, how many people you have, how many clients, how many projects you have that you're, you're using like a really simple project management tool, a billing tool that's pretty simple, as well as just like, you know, basic documents. So that's, uh, that's cool. Uh, what book would you recommend and why? Uh, I have a couple for you. So we talked about traction. I, I could not say more about that system. It's really helped me run a business uh, understand how to run a business and not just do it by grit. Um, I'm, I'm a big advocate of culture. So another one of my favorite business uh, books is let my people go surfing. Uh, it's by the founder of Patagonia. Um, and I have to throw in uh, a Buddhist reference here to the Dalai Lama's art of happiness uh, is a book that changed my life and I'd highly recommend. All right. So, so some brass tax, brass uh, tax, some brass tax business uh, framework traction. Uh, some culture stuff with letting your people uh, go surfing, which sounds like uh, some work life balance there. And then uh, art of happiness. Some deep, 
soul like ethos type stuff. So three awesome recommendations. Uh, how can people find out more about you, Zen Man, and uh, where can they check out anything that you have that you might have for them? Uh, you can contact me directly. Uh, Twitter, email. Twitter is at uh, Zenman42. Email is pretty simple. It's Keith at Zenman.com. Like I mentioned earlier, you know, I'm happy to share those resources that'll protect your or your uh, your community, your tribe, from spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on attorneys when you don't need to. Uh, so I think the biggest thing that I could share is probably some some documentation that uh, everybody could review what they have in place and, and maybe take bits and pieces to enhance or refine theirs. Awesome. I uh, definitely recommend folks to reach out to you, and I'll, I'll try to see what we can include in our show notes on that, Keith. Uh, of course, that's that's just amazing that you would, you would share that type of resource with our, our listeners. So thank you so much for that. Um, it's always a pleasure, man. I, uh, I really hope, uh, we're just kicking our podcast off, but, uh, I really hope to have you back on the program sometime in the future. I feel like every time we have you, uh, come out and speak to our mastermind group and our, uh, our, our, our city events, like the, the feedback I always get is, uh, I literally get emails. People say, uh, I want to be Keith <laughs> or, or, you know, uh, uh, can Keith be my father? Like, it's just like, I'm like, all right guys, like, like lay off a little bit, but I, I have, I have, I, I always love hearing your stories, man. And, uh, you have an open invitation for everything you gurus and, uh, wish you guys and, uh, Zen man all the best. Thanks you too. And, and anything I can do in the future, I am more than happy to help.